This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. This is Rob Carbone coming at you with another episode of BD4. Episode 124 of BD4. 124 episodes in to the podcast. Um, Wow. You know, pretty soon we're going to be coming up on a full year. You know, I think I started the pod. I want to say it was late July, early August. I had to find out the exact date, but you know, off the top of my head, we're, we're, you know, we're going to be coming up on that in a few months. Um, scary to think about how, how fast time flies. Um, but yes, we are on episode 124. Just going to continue doing our usual, um, of late, you know, picking apart some pre-draft prospects that the Knicks should take a look at, starting with, you know, the later sleeper picks and then working our way up to the board, up the board to the lottery guys eventually. <clears throat> so, um, I know everybody saw the last dance, I'm sure. I still need to catch up. Um, actually, probably as I finish recording this, I'm going to go check out a couple episodes and, and binge a few, maybe. Um, you know, so <laughs> I heard everybody loved it, though. That's for sure. I heard it was very good, very great um, and informative. And, we, you know, we've talked about this. So I don't want to waste too much time talking about the last dance. Um, We're going to get, you know, we've got a couple of, uh, you know, little, little headlines, um, you know, lately, which the one today really uh, is that the Knicks made another hire and Leon Rose is continuing really to remain active, right. And kind of reshape this, this front office. Um, You know, it started kind of with Steve Mills going and then he brought in Brock Aller um, David Blatt, who's now gone, obviously, but he, you know, he brought in Steve Stout to kind of try and rebrand the Knicks in the uh, marketing category. And, uh, he, now he's bringing in some guy by the name of, um, Walt Perrin, Walt Perrin. I'd never heard of him. I'm going to be honest with you. Not going to sit here and act like I know who he is, but I did do a lot of research upon, upon finding out the Knicks hired him. You know, they're finalizing a deal. That was a report that came out. Um, Shams reported it first. So I saw that. And, um, yeah, it seems like from what I read, this is somebody he was he was uh, for 19 years with the Jazz. So he's a veteran of the game, well-known around the league, very respected around the league. And was was the uh, 
he was an executive, but I think the exact title was vice president of player personnel for the Utah Jazz was Walt Perrin. And um, I hope I'm saying his name right. Um, But from what I hear, he is a good talent evaluator, very good at scouting. And, you know, he was there for 19 years. So you look at all the guys he brought in and he's kept that Jazz team pretty competitive, you know, assembling a solid, stable squad. Um, You know, they made the playoffs in 10 of the 19 seasons he was there. And they made the playoffs to be specific in nine of the last 14 years. Um, So he remained, you know, he had them remaining competitive and being a successful, you know, to a degree uh, franchise, you know, he, they, since his, uh, during his tenure, the, um, the jazz acquired four all-stars through the draft alone, you know, so they kept it homegrown. They didn't really rely on free agency and, and the trade market being that Utah is not really like a big market city like that. They kept it through the draft and they acquired four all-stars through the draft. When we're looking at Gordon Hayward, Darren Williams, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell right now. So, you know, that was all during Perrin's tenure there. And then, of course, he traded for a couple of guys. You know, the, the Paul Millsap trade worked out well. So, you know, they had some pretty, you know, he's got a decent resume when you look at his track record. So, you know, I, listen, I'm not going to, this is, you, you can't hate on this, right? There's not much to, to work with here. It looks good on the surface, right? It looks pretty decent. As it is, it looks like they made a, a safe move, if anything, and it was a good a good deal. Um, the thing I'm kind of trying to figure out is, was this completely Leon Rose, or did Scott Perry have some influence here? Because if you look at the history, there is some overlap here between Perry and Perrin. Um, you know, they, I think they worked together back in 2000 um, with Detroit, with the Pistons. You know, they were together for about one or two years. Um so you know, there's some overlap there, and we know that Perry Perry likes his former mates, right? He likes former players, former staff. You know, you know, we know he likes to bring along, you know, guys that he's affiliated with in the past. You look at Hazonia, you look at Peyton, and now you know we see other guys like. Um, I know he had a good relationship with someone in the uh, in the uh, FO before Perrin. Um, was it Blatt? Maybe I don't know, but. But yeah, you know, it might be, you know, there might be some influence from, from Scott Perry there too. So, you know, just, again, it's nothing you can really look too much into. It is what it is, you know, until we find out more about this guy. But again, the surface here looks pretty decent. It looks like the Knicks made a safe and, and smart decision here, hiring someone like, um, like, like, uh, Walt Perrin and, Buddy of mine texted me. He goes, uh, "Waltz work out good here in Manhattan." <laughs> That's true. You look at Clyde Frazier. He, he's yeah. But um, no, it's it's it is what it is. Can't really get too much, you know, put too much weight into it. But yeah, Rose continues to remain proactive, and you like that he's trying to reshape this this organization a little bit upstairs. And you know, you got to take it with a, a slight positive if you're going to take it with anything. Um you got to take that as a plus. So that's, that's that little piece of information we got, you know, there's not much outside of that going on, but um, yeah, I just thought I'd share that and, you know, give a little take on that. So we're going to head into the, uh, the episode tonight. We've got a lot to say when it comes to our new prospect tonight, um, Malachi Flynn and boy, I hope his, I, boy, I hope I pronounced his name correctly. Um, I'm pretty sure I did. Cause I watched a ton of film on him, but 
this is a kid who, you know, actually intrigues me quite a bit. You know, I know some of the most recent, the more recent prospects that we've dove into, Trey Jones, Marcus Howard specifically, I've been, you know, very 50-40, maybe even 40-60 on. But this this kid, I really think he could be a nice, a nice pickup to be a, you know, a stabilizer on that second unit for the Knicks. And that's what we're going to talk about for episode 124, some of Malachi Flynn's strengths, weaknesses, and, you know, his future outlook here, um, potentially with the Knicks, if they do decide to to take him at number 38, you know, in the draft with their third, uh, second round pick. So, yeah, we're going to take a quick break and then we will get right into the episode, guys. All right. Hey fellas, really quick, I just want to remind you, in order to subscribe to BD4, to subscribe to my blog, and to follow me on social media, all you have to do is go to my website. That's it. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, that is nysportstalkrc.com talkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once there, guys, that will display all of my information. Where to subscribe to the podcast, how to subscribe to my blog, and where to follow me on social media. Guys, thank you so much, and let's get back to the show. Is a point guard from uh he's a 6-1 point guard, 180 pounds, uh 6-3 wingspan, so pretty average size, if anything, uh below average. But he's from Washington State. Originally, he went there, you know, he played in the Pac-12 um during his freshman and sophomore season. But then he took the junior year to to transfer and he moved to uh he, he transferred schools to San Diego State, where he played his third and final season at school. Um, you know, played in the MWC, the Mountain West Conference. So he, he had a great, you know, All-American season there where, you know, he led that team to a 30-2 and record. Um, you know, he listen, he's somebody who I think has a very high floor. You know, the ceiling may not be, you know, the greatest. He may not have a ton of upside, but I think he's going to be, a, a, you know, pretty much a solidifier, you know, as he enters the NBA and, and be a good, solid career backup point guard to play make for, for, uh, for hopefully the Knicks, you know? So, you know, for the 30 and two Aztecs, um, this past season in 2020, he averaged 18 points, five rebounds and five assists. And he did so while shooting 44% on 13.0 shots from the field, shooting, uh, 37% from three on 6.4 attempts and 86% from the free throw stripe on 4.4 free throw attempts per game. Did this while collecting 1.8 steals and turning it over just 1.8 times um, across 32 games um, with 33 minutes per night. So very efficient, very productive, good-looking numbers. The thing that stands out to me most is those five assists versus the 1.8 turnovers. That's a great ratio. And again, just just goes to show how much of an efficient playmaker he is. Um, 
So somebody I expect to be drafted in the second round, somewhere in the second round. I don't think he'll go undrafted, but I also don't really think he's going to go in the first. Um, I think he'll be some somebody that falls, and you know the team that picks him up would benefit. Um, and I hopefully, you know, I'm hoping that's the Knicks because I think he could be a solid secondary you know, pick and roll playmaker um, with the MYK. You know, if they take him at, at their with their 38th pick, which is supposedly. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's 38. It's the Hornets pick for the second round. So, you know, a high-end rotation player, uh, probably a career backup. Um, some people think he's going to be a, a two-way player back and forth between the G League and, and the NBA. I don't know. Like I said, I I feel like the floor is high. I really do. Um, I'm pretty optimistic here. You know, speaking of optimism, I think the optimistic projection for him, you know, if he doesn't end up being a high rotation player, I think – if he ends up peaking out, he could be a low-end starter, maybe somebody who spot starts. But, you know, I think the middle ground here is somebody who's going to be in the back at, at, the, at the high end of that rotation and um, coming off the bench. But, you know, it's, I've heard a lot of comparisons too. Um, I've heard Tony Snell, which, you know, probably is a floor. Um, but even that, I think, is a little pessimistic. I've also heard a Rajon Rondo light. I see it, you know, with the pick and roll maestro being a pick and roll maestro. Um, I heard like a, a like a Zach Levine with less athleticism because he's I guess he's a good ball handler and he knows how to um, create off the bounce. And then the one I like a little bit is, is uh, Tony Parker Light, right? Somebody who I see it, you know, I see a lesser version of Tony Parker who, again, a pick and roll guru somebody who can shoot a little bit and, and kind of provide some perimeter defense and doesn't have the size to match up with a ton of bigger guards and wings, but plays his position well, like a, like a, a backup version of a Tony Parker. I, I see it if he, if he pans out. Um, so yeah, I really think he would address a lot of the New York Knicks flaws, right? He could bring some terrific playmaking off the bench. You know, somebody who is one of the best pick and roll players in this class um you know i think if 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 not the best pick and roll player in the class he is one of the best um he he can pass in pick and roll and he can score in pick and roll don't get me wrong he's got a very high iq very deceptive and and kind of manipulates the defense with his ball fakes and pump fakes and, and, and eye movement um, when he's running pick and roll and he's very unselfish, just a great all around passer, solid ball handler. Again, we mentioned the 5.1 assists this past season versus the 1.8 turnovers. Um, when you look at the totals, it's 162 versus 57. So very efficient passer and, you know, somebody who can, who can make a variety of passes off the bounce, you know, out of PNR. Um, he'll make the pocket passes. He will make those cross-court skip passes, the baseline passes. The, he'll hit the roll man very, um, you know, on a very timely fashion, knows when to toss it to the roll man, and really just makes the occasional, he'll make the occasional dump-off passes too. Um, really does it all as a passer. And that's why, again, name one Nick, right? Aside from Neil Aquina's upside, um, that really has that ability to, benefit the team in, in pick and roll like like I think um, Flynn could um, you know and he again he has a good solid ball handling ability too so he can score off the bounce um, you know he, he likes to attack the bigs and drop coverage during pick and roll uh, pick and roll very often you know he will often use his footwork and his decent burst to to get to the rim off the um 
and kind of expose bigs in the uh, in the uh, drop coverage. So you know, he's going to get to the he's going to get to the basket well, and he's going to finish pretty well. You know, he can finish with either hand, predominantly right, but he can he has the ability to use his left, and I think his go to move in that you know uh, when he's in the lane is is that runner. He likes to throw up that that little floater and he has a good ability to finish with it. Um, so pretty soft touch around the rim and, you know, in pick and roll, when we're looking at the statistics here, I have written down that he was Flynn was in the 96th percentile this past year in points per possession as a ball handler in pick and roll. So that's just outstanding, meaning he was better than um, all but 4% of the league in that category. And 74% of his assists actually came out of either pick and roll or in transition. So somebody who loves to run the break, somebody who loves to use ball screens and create, you know, using his craft there. Um, But also a good versatile shooter. Don't get me wrong. He's not somebody who's strictly limited to playmaking. He can shoot the ball some too. I don't know how great of a shooter he will be in the NBA, but there's reason to believe with his good form and, and decent elevation on the jumper, there's reason to believe he'll at least be average, you know, a 35% guy from distance. You know, he's got a nice spot up catch and shoot game where he was in the 87th percentile in points per possession off the spot up, um, can shoot off the bounce, has really done well, you know, as an off and on a, an off movement shooter, right? Somebody who shoots off of ball screens, 82nd percentile when it comes off, uh, when it comes to that. And, you know, he can run off a variety of actions. Um, so very good as a movement shooter. Um, I, I noticed that, you know, high volume, high efficiency as a movement shooter. Um, he's, and he's he's just a very good, well-rounded offensive player who, who knows what he's doing. But on the flip side, guys, what I like, again, he can play defense. He's not just a uh, an offensive-focused um, wing or guard. He's somebody who's very focused, you know, pretty engaged defensively too. He's a good team defender, somebody who is going to, you know, make sure he rotates well. He can do that pretty fairly. Uh, he, he he positions himself very, very fairly as well on the perimeter. He he can slide very well laterally, and you know, just a good team defender. Um, collected 1.8 steals per game this past season, and across all three seasons at, at school, um, both schools when you combine them. He averaged 1.6 steals per 40 minutes. So, you know, a good blend of knowing when to be smart versus when to take that gamble and be aggressive defensively, right? So he knows, you know, when to stay home, when to gamble, when to do this and do that. He has a good pretty a good mindset defensively, a smart defender. And he's not a bad rebounder for someone of his size, you know, 6'1", with a 6'3 wingspan and, and you know, a buck 80 weight or whatever he is. Um you know, he's not a terrible rebounder. 4.5 per game in 2020 and 4.3 per 40 across um, his entire college career. So those are the pros, right? Good pick and roll playmaker, somebody who could score and pass off the bounce and, and um, give you some some uh, some boost off the bench and then play some defense as well on the perimeter. Um, now, some of the some of the uh, the minuses here when it comes to this kid is that he's he's it's the size and that's you're going to find that with a lot of uh, prospects in this class. We, we've already talked about it a bunch with other, other prospects that a lot of these guys don't have the size. Um, and that's the big issue. He's very small. It's mostly his underwhelming length. Um, you know, he's going to struggle versus, you know, when he's trying to get his shot off contested shots, they're probably not going to fall. He's going to get blocked easily because of his small wingspan and, 
you know, it's also going to limit him, obviously, defensively. His his versatility defensively, not really going to be up, be able to slide up to the two and defend them often unless he's guarding, you know, the smaller off guards. Um, going to be limited there defensively in terms of his versatility. It's going to hurt him on the dribble drive, I, I would imagine. Um, obviously hurt him in the paint. And, again, he's going to get hurt by the bigger guards and, and wings. Uh, but all in all, I mean, I, I'm willing to take a risk. On this kid, I really like um, Malachi Flynn's game. I think he's somebody who could be very, very effective for the Knicks. And um, you know, does he fall in that second round? I would take him in a heartbeat. I would. I really would. I would hope that the Knicks um, would have the opportunity to do this because um, I really think he, he's somebody who some GMs are going to sleep on. I don't think he's going to be snagged, right? I don't think anyone's going to snatch him up right away. I really don't. Um, so. If he falls, I would take him. He's one of he's one of the guys on the top of my list in terms of uh, second round prospects. So that's that's Malachi Flynn, guys, and that's pretty much all we've got for tonight. So if you uh, yeah, if you, if you enjoyed it, please give it a like, subscribe, share, download, and all that fun stuff. Uh, if you have any thoughts, be sure to comment. You know, we are on so many platforms too, so be sure to subscribe to BD4 on the many different platforms we have. We are on YouTube. We are on Anchor. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, iTunes, your Apple Podcasts, and plenty more outlets as well. Just go to my website, go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect, and that will take you to a page that displays all my information. So once again, guys, I want to thank you for stopping by, and um, I think that's it. I think that's all we've got for tonight. This has been Rob Carbone with BD4, episode 124 of BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. And um, yeah, I think that's all we got. Guys, thank you so much for stopping by. I'll see you in the next show. All right, ciao.